0: This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, November 25th, 2018. Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Given by Laura Wilkins and Bonnie Sieben. Good morning, Connection. Thank you so much for worshiping here with us today. Thank you for those of you who are online today. We're so glad you could join us. I'm Laura Wilkins, and I am the Director of Children and Family Life.
1: My name is Bonnie Sieben. I'm the director of Youth and Family Life here at Connection. And will you join me in prayer? God, thank you so much that you are here with us, that you love us, that you guide us, and that you have brought us all here to this place this morning or online as well. Lord, we just pray your blessing over us, that you would help us to hear your word and receive your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So this month we've been studying the life of Joshua the godly leader who was with the Israelites as they came out of the desert into the promised land. We've looked at the walls of Jericho fall and the sun stand still. And today we're taking a look at the end of Joshua's life as he has come to a point where he knows his time of leadership is almost over and that he's going to go and be with the Lord And so recognizing this, Joshua in the 23rd chapter of the book of Joshua gathers the people together, the leaders of Israel, the spiritual leaders, the political leaders, and he gives them kind of a history, he gives them a a sermon and tells them and reminds them how God was with them, was with them as they were led out of slavery, was with them as they were in the desert, was with them as they came into the promised land and all of the things that God has done to take them from where they were to where they are now. He reminds them of these things and at the end of all of that he makes a very bold declaration in Joshua 24 verses 14 and 15, a very famous passage of scripture, he says this, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your forefathers worshipped before the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your, forefa- whether the gods of your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord." Joshua has seen God's hand at work in very clear and very powerful ways. He recalls and restates those blessings to the people, and he affirms that whatever they decide, whatever anyone else decides to do that day, he is sticking with God. And not just sticking with God, but choosing willfully to serve God with his whole life. In return, the people respond in Joshua 24, 16 through 20 by saying, Far be it for us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God Himself who brought us and our fathers up out of Egypt from the land of slavery and who performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because He is our God. What a beautiful picture of the state of Israel and Joshua's heart as as a leader as his time on earth was coming to a close. He had followed the Lord. He responded with action. He was imparting the wisdom and the knowledge into the hearts of the next generation, those who would come behind him.
0: So we would love to say that this continued on from one generation to the next, but this is not the case. Oftentimes planning or our best intentions don't equate with results. In fact, as we come to the end of the book of Joshua, we see one of the clearest impacts of what happens when God's people are not careful to follow through with their intentions. In Joshua 24, 21, the people do declare, we will serve the Lord. Next, in Joshua 24, 31, We see that Israel served the Lord through the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him, and who had experienced everything that the Lord had done for Israel. But then we arrived at the next generation. Just two chapters later, one generation removed, and we read in Judges two hundred ten that after the whole generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation grew up, who neither knew the Lord nor nor what he had done for Israel. Think about that revelation. Just one full generation before, Joshua had made this great declaration that he would serve the Lord and their families would serve the Lord above all else. And the next generation didn't even know God or what he had done for them. How does this even happen? Perhaps they assumed because their family had followed and served God as well as the households around them, that that would be enough to carry the faith forward. However, just because we believe something or know something to be true, doesn't necessarily mean that the next generation is going to hold on to that truth without careful, intentional action. So here's a small example. I loved my grandmother. She was a great lady. And she did live away, we visited her often, but she passed away when my kids were young. I think Matthew was around seven or eight, and Matthew was about four or five. And although I had told stories about her when she was alive, I really didn't tell that many stories about her once she passed away. And so as time has progressed, my kids really probably, their memory had begun to fade. And in fact, if you ask them today to tell you a personal story about my grandmother, they might not be able to recall any personal stories. It's not because I didn't love her. I did. I loved her very much. But I didn't make it a priority for them to have that firsthand knowledge and to pass down that legacy of who she was so that they could remember her and keep her alive.
1: So can we imagine a circumstance where something similar could happen in our own households where we might do for the Lord or attend church, or be a part of God's kingdom, but we wouldn't really clearly express the why and the how and pass that on to those coming after us. In Joshua's circumstance, someone along the line became busy, complacent, or disinterested. Something happened. The next generation did not know about God. They had not heard what God had done for them. So off they went in search of something to fill that void. One of my greatest hopes and therefore my most consistent prayers is that my children not get caught up in a cycle of being around church but not really knowing God. I have two little boys, 7 and 10 years old, and I don't want them to see church as something mom and dad do as like a religious rite or, or just something that's done for cultural reasons. I want them to have personal, active relationships with Jesus. When they have hard times, I want them to know that they can cry out to God. When they're confused, I want them to know that they can go to Scripture for answers. When they're sad, I want them to find comfort in Scripture, in God, in prayer. You know, and when they are deciding the values, the attitudes, the practices that will define their lives, I want them to have the benefit of the Holy Spirit's guidance and the Word of God to light their path. Above all, I want them to have salvation through Jesus. These are primary goals for our family. You know, baseball season is fun, and school is important, and we firmly believe in not wasting the individual talents that God has given us. But if baseball or academic striving or whatever those kind of good things are in your lives and my life are taking away the time necessary to invest them in a community of faith, to invest them in the word of God, then my priorities need to change. I never want to take for granted that a Sunday morning lesson is enough to ensure that my children have the faith tools, the knowledge, and the background necessary to stand firm in their faith amid challenges, hardships, and disappointments. In our roles here at Connection, we're very aware of the opportunities and blessings we have to reach the next generation. But we are also very aware of the limits to those opportunities and the need for parents, extended family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, and mentors to step into the lives of the next generation with a call to faith and faithfulness. We believe that God wants us to be on guard to protect the future faith of the next generation. While many people are familiar with the 10 commandments and the laws given to Moses, many believers are less familiar with what comes in the very next chapter of Scripture. According to the book, the DNA of D6, this passage is something called the Shema, which is the Hebrew word for summons. And it was specifically the call to action that came after the receiving of the commandments. You can probably quote verse 5 with us, but listen carefully to what comes next. This is Deuteronomy 6, verses 5 through 9. It says... Wow, you know, specifically Deuteronomy singles out children, the next generation. Whether you are 16 or 96, whether you have children at this stage of your life, you are single, you are older, you are not planning to have children, this call is for everyone. It takes the whole community of faith, all believers working together to reach the hearts of the next generation with the message of God's love. So Jesus
0: gave a similar charge to his disciples about reaching others with God's love. In Matthew 28, 19, 20, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Notice... He says, go and make disciples, not just believers. We are called to make disciples. This means sharing the love of God, but it also means helping one another grow in study, and worship, in prayer, in service. Every believer has a purpose, every single one of us. We are to equip and grow disciples who in turn go out to equip and disciple others. God calls us to pass on what we have learned. God's love, mercy, and grace shouldn't end with us. He does want us to know and follow him, and we shouldn't be complacent in how we prepare our young children and our young people and our future followers. This is not just the responsibility of parents to disciple the next generation. It's important for all of us. Everyone here can have a part in multi-generational learning there's all kinds of ways to do it. Sunday morning alone, there's always Sunday school helpers that are needed, Sunday school teachers, tech team, acting, administrative skills. There's very wide variety of gifts that can be used. In Sunday evenings, the youth programs often need places to host or someone to prepare a meal or just to have a game or devotion for the kids. Alpha is a great example of that multi-generational learning where a person that has been a long-term believer has come alongside someone that might be new in their faith. Many studies suggest that by the time a person graduates high school, that they need to have five or six close relationships with faithful adults in their church. These relationships are built over time. It doesn't happen overnight. The investment is worth it knowing that the children are sent out into the world knowing that God is with them. As a body of believers, we all can pass on God's faithfulness to the next generation.
1: Let's take a minute and look back at the language in Deuteronomy 6. We're instructed to involve God in our lives throughout the week, and we're given really four specific times that point to ways that we can be effective in doing this. The first says when you sit at home. So this might be mealtime. Putting away technology, turning off the television, engaging in conversation, sharing an answered prayer request, sharing a prayer request, sharing something that happened in devotion or scripture reading, but engaging in conversation. Uh, It can also be casual Friday nights at home or Thursday evenings where nobody has any events scheduled, times when you're just in your home together and can incorporate God. If you're looking for something a little bit more structured than that, there's an insert in your bulletin today for Right Now Media. And you might be familiar with this as a tool that small groups use here at Connection. It's something that the church invests in and pays for each year, and it's available to everyone who is attending. So you can fill this out and receive your own username and password. And what you can do with this is if you log in, there are children's cartoons. Instead of whatever maybe just is on the television, you can have your kids watch a cartoon that has a scripture message and lesson to it. There are parenting series, there are marriage series, there's scripture studies, there's conference speakers, there's probably, I said earlier, literally a million, I don't know, things on here. And so much of it could be incorporated in just 10 or 15 minute increments in your family a few times a week to accomplish that when you sit at home, intentional faith conversation. The next time says when you're on the road. You know, car times are great for conversations. They're also great for things like bus stop devotionals or quick opportunities to share what God's teaching you. Um, you. For a lot of us, that means praise songs. My kids have their favorite songs that they like to listen to. Um, I know a lot of families listen to the VBX soundtrack pretty much all year in their vehicle, so that's fun over and over and over again. Um, <laughs> but what it does do is create a tape in in the minds of our young people that reminds them of who God is and what God does. And so even if they don't understand every word, they're absorbing lines. And if you're anything like me, lines of songs can come back into your head years later, and that can be really meaningful. The next time it says, talk when you lie down in our home, bedtime um, comes with prayers, prayer requests, prayers, and praises. It also can oftentimes come with devotion or scripture reading. And it just resets that time that, you know, maybe I'm frustrated with my son. Maybe he's driving me crazy. But we're, we're together. We're going to the Lord together before bed to thank God and to go before God and to just reaffirm and allow ourselves to go to bed. Um, kind of just right with the Lord and with each other. And then talk when you get up. You know, morning, start your day with the Lord. If you are a mentor, maybe you don't have kids in your own home. If you're a mentor, shoot a text occasionally. Send an email. Check in with someone. Make sure that their week is going okay. But start your day with the Lord and help others to start their day with the Lord as well. These times are not revolutionary. I mean, morning, travel, bedtime, breakfast time, time, mealtime. These are primary times for families to have engagement and interaction. The overall idea here is just that we have our faith and we have our life, and that they're woven together. It's this intentional incorporation of conversations and attitudes and interactions that exalt God in our lives. Has anyone here ever started a fitness routine? Started a lot over the years. Uh, If you know anything about starting a fitness routine, it's frustrating at first. No one likes to feel like a beginner. It's hard to feel like everyone else is better at something that you feel like you're fumbling your way through. And it's tempting to give up. But we know that if you stick with your fitness routine, you get better. You experience awkwardness and and soreness and pulled muscles, but you get stronger, you get more effective, and you start to see the physical evidence of the effort you're doing. It is very similar when you start a spiritual fitness routine. It will be awkward. If your family is not a family who has ever prayed together, it would be awkward. If you are a family who has never done devotions together, it might create some stress or tension. These things, you know, if you've never shared an answered prayer at the dinner table, you might get a weird look. That's okay. You know, the first time I did yoga, it was pretty weird looking too. Uh, But the point here is that over time, you can create habits and practices and experiences that become a routine and your spiritual muscles grow and develop. And each time you share an answered prayer or read a devotion at bedtime, your family is creating a new habit. Every time you just choose to, to um, put Christian music on in the car instead of whatever's on the radio, you are creating something new in your family. If you're anything like me, you've also restarted a lot of fitness routines over the years. And you know the same can be true spiritually. Maybe you were in a really great place a few years ago, and maybe that's fallen by the wayside, maybe hard times have come, maybe something has pulled you away, maybe your family has gotten busier, or there's a stage of family life that's created something where things are just not where they once were. Today is not too late. Don't let past missed opportunities and disappointments keep you from restarting today in a new path, in a new direction, back where you really wanted to be.
0: So as we move to the final verse of the Shema, we see instructions to tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. This is really about ensuring that there's constant reminders in your life to help keep you on track. Maybe it's keeping a scripture card in your car or in a journal or maybe even you could keep it on your bathroom mirror. Um, I've been known to put them from time to time above my coffee mugs because I know I'm gonna get coffee and it's just a great reminder to remind me hey I need to start my day with God. Loving God and knowing God's Word and teaching the next generation ensures that we pass down faith. Our children are not going to be adult believers just because we tell them to because we say it's the right thing to do it's got to be impressed upon them it's got to be woven throughout their day throughout their life and we can't close our eyes to the difficult topics that we'd rather not admit that are there they're going to ask tough questions bonnie and i were recently at a conference and one of the speakers lee strobel shared that the biggest reason college students walk away from their faith is because they come across questions they can't answer. So we need to encourage those questions now and give them real loving answers. They might not be able to remember what, what the answer is when they get that question, but they'll remember that someone answered it and they'll know they can go back and ask one of those trusted adults to help them come up with the answer. But here's the thing. We live in a really, really tough world. It's hard, it's confusing, there's violence, there's heartbreak, there's hurt, and it's, it's not a perfect world. And I would love to say it would be a cakewalk for everyone in here, but the kids, the children, one of the youth, all of the youth actually, are gonna come across ac- a point in their life where they are gonna face some kind of unbearable heartbreak. It's gonna happen, it's not perfect. And the world is gonna tell them that life is out of control. And the world is gonna tell them there's no hope. That's the world we live in. It's, that's what they want them to believe. We need to equip those children to know that God's word says he is with us always. And that Jesus provides a hope well beyond our present circumstances. We need to pass that hope down that's gonna carry them through when those hard times hit. We can't assume that someone else is gonna come alongside them and give them that hope and tell them and remind them. We all need to make sure we're equipping them with this. Here on Sundays, it's important that we do the one hour well and do it with excellence. But how much better would Sunday be if it came alongside the rest of the week that was filled up with other God parts? What if what we hear on Sundays lines up with the other six days of the week? If we hold tight to what Joshua said and declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, we're on the right track. But what does that look like for you? Maybe God is calling you to take a new step of faith. He could be calling you to commit to him with your whole heart. Or maybe you're even feeling a nudge to share your faith with someone, mentor someone, go a little deeper with someone new to the faith or one of our youth. Whatever your individual next step, I do know this, God is calling everyone, all of us, to make sure his mercy and his hope and his grace is passed on to the next generation and future believers of Christ. So our first question comes to this. Are you willing to stand up and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? But there's more. Are you willing to take it a step further, to go alongside others and help them grow in their relationship with the Lord, encouraging them to become followers, not just believers? Let's pray. Father God, We are so grateful for today to be together and talk about passing on the gift of your love and your saving grace. Thank you, God, for all of those gathered here today and for those who are watching us online. May we be used to show your love and your grace. May we be a light to those around us in this dark world. We thank you and we praise you in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life He offers.